The 10th commandment, um, we've been on this journey together for, well, bam, you guys are on it. I love it. Um, so uh, I want to kind of recap uh, the, the first uh, nine of, of where we've been on this journey. So we remember the narrative. God has given freedom to his people already. Uh, freedom came before the commandments. And then he says, listen, don't have any other gods before me. Don't make idols. Honor my name. Keep the Sabbath. Honor your mother and father. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness, right? And so those are the nine, the nine instructions, the nine guidelines that we've had up until today. And I want to tell you uh, right out of the gate, the 10th commandment is, is strange. It's odd in light of, of this list in particular. Now, you know, when you're studying communication, when you're studying, you know, any type of information that you want to give people, you know, one of the basic, basic axioms you, they, that you'll learn is, listen, you want to leave people with like a sort of a zinger, you know, like if you want people to, to remember something when, you, when, they, when you're done with your talk or whatever, you give them something that they can really like seize onto, you know. And so when you look at this list, and you're like, man, you know, keep the Sabbath, no murder, no adultery. There should be, it could be a sense of like, man, this should be building up to something. Man, we got nine commandments. God's got one more. Surely this is going to be a whopper. And it's like, don't covet. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know. And uh, it's, it's a strange commandment, especially in light of the fact that all of these you can more or less observe happening, okay? Like literally, you make an idol, in this context, it's literally a figure carved. You can see it, you can touch it, you can watch it. You're going to dude, you're making an idol, stop. Um, you can hear somebody use God's name in vain or uselessly, you can watch uh, a crime happen, whether it's stealing or murder. You can watch adultery and the ramifications of it. And all this is building up. And then you get to the 10th. And well, let me ask you this. Am I coveting right now? <laughs> Pastor Mark obviously does not think very highly of my character. <laughs> But no, the bottom line is the 10th commandment is not observable. The coveting, let's be honest, you can fake your way through coveting or not coveting. It is an interior shift. So every commandment, like I can watch you do this, I can watch you do this, I can watch you do this. And then all of a sudden the 10th commandment and God all of a says, listen, it's like a beautiful reminder that God says, listen, this is not about external rules. It's about the state of your heart. And I love that this is present even in the early parts of the Bible, even in the book of Exodus, the second book of the entire Bible. God is still saying, look, you can put the commandments up. You can tack them on a wall somewhere. You can recite them. You can have them memorized. But what God is really after is the state of your heart. What people like can fake their way through, but God sort of knows what's up inside your heart. And uh, that makes this a really, really odd list, but in ways a very, very challenging list. Because God, I think, in that also would remind us that it's our heart 
that drives our behaviors. And so one way to think about this is if you covet, you will be driven to break any of the other nine. If you can do, you think all the nine right, but you've got this thing in your heart and coveting is simply desiring what somebody else has, you could keep all the other nine sort of the surface of it, but if you cultivate this heart attitude of I want this thing, I, I covet, I value this thing, it will drive you to steal. It will drive you to lie. It will drive you to do all manner of things. So God's like saying, listen, get the externals, but don't miss what the effect of the heart status can do to jeopardize all the good work that you've done. Now, so much so is uh, that uh, a lot of the rabbis and some scholars would say, actually, you can understand the 10th as a reward for living out the other nine. You can understand the 10th commandment as a reward and a byproduct of getting the other nine right. Now, this especially comes into play when you think about the way we've been teaching this series. If you guys remember the very first week, I said there's two words that don't appear in the Bible with this whole topic. And what are those two words? Ten commandments. The Ten commandments, that phrase is not in the Bible. Commandment in Hebrew is better understood as guideline or instruction. So a better way to understand it would be, uh, we'll give you the 10, okay? We'll spot you the 10 because there appears to be 10. But it's 10 instructions, 10 guidelines. And what the rabbis got to thinking is like, man, with this covet thing, they're like, well, actually, if you accept the guidelines that God gives you, all nine of them, that what you get by the 10th is a life where you feel like you are just so, you're just so satisfied with where you are and with God, what God is doing in your life that you no longer feel the need to covet anything. It's a reward. It's a result. So uh, before we go on, I want to kind of recast the 10 just so we can all kind of be on the same level playing field. This is the way I would put it. If you can, believe that God is a God of radical love and grace who's already set you free. That's the narrative. You're already free. Right where you're at, you're already free. Then, if you can, put him first in your life. Get that relationship right. If you can live by faith and not be manipulated by where your eyes go, because that's what idols do. If you can, drop the God talk, the Lord told me to tell you, and not manipulate people through that speech. If you can break free of the trap that your significance in life is equal to your performance, that's the Sabbath. If you can stop and say, I'm bigger than my job performance. If you can live a life of relational wholeness, honoring your mother and father, even when they're not perfect. If you can uh, honor every human being's life, because remember, in the Bible, um, like living is more than just breathing air. Living is significance and the opportunity to have a story and a perspective. If you can honor every human being, and in the same way, adultery is a lot bigger than the physical act. And if you cannot objectify any human being, if you can live a life of radical generosity, go beyond stealing, and if you can cultivate truth, then what you end up with 
is, an ex- is freedom to experience God as enough. It's a reward and a result of living the nine. And P.S., remember that grace comes before all of it. You don't live out the nine and then say, look how good I am, God. Will you set me free now? God's like, I've done it already. You live out the nine and you get the reward of the 10th and it's all grace. So it's really, I wanna say, a matter of, of trust. Coveting is a matter of trusting that God is enough. It's looking around and saying, I don't need to, to grasp for this. I don't need to look at other people and, and try to achieve what they have. The way I would think of it is also is this way. Listen, we, we've called this series How to Be Human, right? And, and you have to understand, I'm, I'm making an assumption here that I just want to make plain. Um, anytime I get involved in an activity in my life, if I'm serious about it, I will go looking for tips of how to be better at it. Anybody else do it? Like, you just want to be better at the thing that you're trying to do. So I would go out and I would seek out tips of how to be a better musician. I've, I've sought tips on how to be a better preacher, how to be a, a better leader. Anybody else do this? You know, Google is a wonderful thing. You should try it sometimes. You can find all kinds of stuff. But when you go and you search out like, you know, uh, I don't know, like how, I don't know, throw out a vocation or something, some activity. How to get abs. How to get abs. Okay. So, no, this is good. This is actually good. So if you went and you Googled how to get abs and you were like going through the list and then at the end of the list, you saw a picture of the person that wrote the tips, would it or would it not matter what that person kind of looked like? Whenever you're cultivating like wisdom and, 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 and guidelines and help, it is Good to consider the source, is it not? Right? So like if I'm going to go look for tips on how to be a better leader, I'm going to look for a good leader who wrote them and on and on and on. So one of the assumptions that I'm just going to tell you I'm making is that the guidelines God lives us, gives us, it's my assumption and I think the assumption of a lot of people that call E3 home that considering the source, God knows what's best to produce a great human life. So when God says, listen, put me first, It's not because he's just kind of giving us a a rule that doesn't have a a benefit to us. He's saying, I know what's best for you. I've lived your life through Jesus. I I know kind of how to create a human life. And so when we get to the end and God's just like, it is not a good idea to covet. It's not. It will destroy things in your life. I think for me, I just want to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you on this. And now we just have to figure out, well, what is it? What does it look like to not covet? What does a life free of coveting look like? And for that matter, why do we struggle with it? Because I covet. I have areas in my life where I look at some, something of somebody else's life and I'm like, I desire that thing. Right? At E3, we don't believe in being inauthentic. We don't believe in being hypocrites. So if you have a problem with somebody up here say, uh, saying uh, they've got a problem with coveting, you know, I'd cede the platform. But then I want to wager that, oh, but that would be gambling. <laughs> that we all have a problem somewhere in our life of saying, I really wish I had that, that somebody else has. Okay? So there's a story in the Bible um, 
This is a Honeycrisp apple. The best apple. No, no, this is, I can find this in the Bible. Trust me. They're also on sale, and so I was able to get quite a few of these. So if you go to the Killarn Public, sorry, I took them. So there's a story in the very beginning parts of the Bible that speak to why we have such a problem with this. So the first few pages of the Bible are, are, are this beautiful foundational story of, of God creating humanity. And the first two humans, he calls them Adam and he calls them Eve. And he puts them in the middle of this garden. And he says, listen, in this garden, you have a purpose. You are to take care, care for the garden, tend it. And, and in that garden, God says, furthermore, I've taken care of all your needs. Like you have food, you have security, and you have purpose, Right? God says, listen, there's just one thing you can't do. He says, there's these, there's these two trees in the middle of the garden. One's the tree of life. One's the tree of the knowledge of, God, of good and evil. God says, you can't eat of the fruit of that tree. Nothing says it was an apple tree, but this is my favorite fruit that I have right here. And so you can kind of imagine, especially even if you have kids, of how this is going to go. God says, there's one thing you cannot do. And so very early in the Bible, we're told that um, um, the woman, Eve, she looks at the fruit of the tree and she desires it. She desires the fruit of the tree. And and it's the same premise as coveting. It is a sense of like, I'm not just noticing that it's there, but I I want it, I have to have it. I, I want it, I have to have it. And, and let me just say that, like, if you really want to know whether you're coveting or not, ask yourself whether the thing that you really desire, are you able to trust God with the outcome? And if you're like, man, I don't think I trust God with the outcome of whatever this thing is. I, need, I think God needs a little help here. Then you're, ver- you're veering into coveting territory. Now, let me be clear here. Like, we all want to grow. We all want to improve. We all want to, we all want to like, test ourselves and maybe get better jobs and aspire to new things. And God just says, look, man, yeah, work at it. Get education. But there's, an, there's a sense of, like, we should work and do everything we can to, to, in the process and then trust God with the outcome. If you cannot trust God with the outcome, then you're veering into coveting. And I think that's what Eve, what Eve is experiencing. She's like, well, I could ask God. God, could you just give me, just give me a little taste? Could you? Could you? She doesn't, she could maybe, I don't know, maybe a piece of fruit would fall off the tree and she could be like, well, it wasn't on the tree. I got kids. But instead, what she does, right, is she reaches out and she grabs it. And this is the story of humanity. And it's the story of coveting. It's the story of not being able to wait and trust that God will provide. He had said in the garden, you've got everything you need. You've got everything you need. You've got purpose. You've got food. You've got security. And there's one way to understand this event where um, it's the knowledge of good and evil and there's a character in the story, the serpent. And he says, listen, uh, if you take that fruit and eat it, you're going to become like God. And so one of the ways you can understand that is the woman is taking this out of pride. I want to be more than I am. I want to be like God, so I'm going to take the fruit. But another way to understand it is that God says, listen, I've given you everything. And can you trust that I'm going to care for you? 
And it's a failure to trust God that creates that coveting and creates that moment when she reaches out and takes the fruit. And ever since then, we have had a problem with coveting. Anybody know exactly what I'm talking about? So again, to look at the list in, in Exodus 20, um, the, the list that, that God gives, he says, don't desire your neighbor's house. Don't desire to take your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox, donkey, anything else that belongs to your neighbor. This is the way the commandment spells it out. And it is, it is a blanket statement. Don't take anything. Um, but, and I think we look at that and we're like, yes, 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 I get that. But coveting can go deeper than that. Coveting can go much deeper than that. Uh, if you're a person of faith, have you ever coveted or envied somebody else's like spiritual gifts? And you're like, well, I wish I had that person's ability to pray. I wish I had you know, that person's ability to, to lead or to serve. The coveting can go a lot deeper than just taking something that belongs to your neighbor. Have you ever uh, maybe coveted somebody's like socioeconomic position? And you're like, man, I really want that for myself. And again, let me, let me be clear. And desire to grow and provide for your family is good if you can release the outcome to God and say, I can't control a lot about this. What I do is my part. Has anybody ever like been to somebody's house and says, man, I really like this house. Kind of wish I lived here. Again, being, me being honest, when we moved here, like, um, I lived in Midtown for a while. We bought a house in Killarne. I coveted a house in Midtown because I wanted to live there. It was hard for me to accept. No, like we moved to the top of the hill. I wanted to live in Midtown. I coveted that. And I had to release that. Anybody ever coveted somebody's car? Like not enough to just like, hey, that's a cool car, but like, man, I really want that car. The 10th will drive you if you're not careful to say, what can I do? How can I cut a corner to get the thing that I feel like I deserve? That's what coveting can do. So I want to take a look uh, before we go to the Lord's table, before we go to communion today, I want to look at just what, what Jesus brings to the table in terms of this discussion. So in Matthew 6, he's talking to his disciples and, and he has just basically gone through a lot of the, the, the ethos and the vibe of the Ten Commandments. And then he says, as a summing up statement, he says, therefore, I say to you, what? Don't worry. He says, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll wear. He says, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you by what? Worrying can add a single moment to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? He says, notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work. They don't wear themselves out with work. They don't wear themselves out with work. Or spin. But I say to you that even Solomon in all of his splendor 
wasn't dressed like one of these. And if God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow and it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore, what? Be happy. That's not in the text. Don't worry and say, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? He says, people who don't even know about this God and his provision and his love for you. Gentiles long for these things, but your heavenly father, guess what, guys? He knows that you need them. He knows. He knows, he knows, he knows. He knows. So instead, Jesus just says essentially the first commandment, desire first and foremost, the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And all of these things will follow. Now, he adds, don't just, he says, stop worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus brings us into this present moment and say, what's going on right now? Is God 